Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for another exciting episode of On the Ladder Side of Baseball. This is Jamie Uretsky. Yeah, we took a couple months off because, you know, January and February are not exactly exciting baseball months. Not at all. I mean, you got pitchers and catchers reporting, which is sort of okay. And uh, you have the Super Bowl, which signals the end of the football season and the beginning of baseball season. But in reality, it's kind of a dead time. So we took that opportunity to get, oh, a little refreshed and ready for the fifth season. Now, we did a couple early episodes, and those were good. I mean, if you heard the first one, I mean, that was like vintage. And the second with Craig Cashant. And uh, tomorrow, we expect Craig Cashan to come back uh, in between his duties as the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks pregame postgame show. And uh, then he's going to be doing the Brewers again. Yeah, he's going to be doing the postgame and pregame show again, hopefully with my man Vinny. We need to get Vinny on the uh, podcast. I'll work on that. We need to get a few fresh faces, fresh voices, fresh anything. Um, but in the meantime, you're lucky because you've got me today. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the new rules in baseball and how that affects the game. I think that's interesting. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about and very little bit about the experience around Mesa, Arizona that I had going to the uh, see the Cubs play the Cleveland Guardians. A lot of Chief Wahoo stuff out there. I sat in the outfield, paid 15 bucks for a seat in the grass, paid 30 bucks for a beer. Can you believe it? Seven bucks for a hot dog. The hot dog was, you know, what you might expect after Oscar Mayer had uh, closed production and left some of the hot dogs out on the press for a couple of days. It wasn't very good. Seven bucks. Now, I did have fun with the concessionaire. They're really nice. I mean... Not that the Wrigley Field people are not nice, but these folks in Arizona, you know, they just have they have 30 days to make money, and the Cubs share their facility, and so the people at Sloan Park have oh, roughly 30 games. So they got to make a little bit of hay while the sun shines, but let me tell you, we were in the outfield, and those concession stands were empty, but... It also told me, took a little tour of the ballpark, if you have a chance to go to Sloan Park, now, I would do that. I haven't been to any others this year, but Sloan Park now, they have in the right field corner, Karen's Creamery, nice ice cream, I'm telling you what, it's pretty good. Then they have food trucks in straightaway center field, so you can get barbecue, you can get burgers. You can get Italian beef sandwiches. They try to recreate some of the Chicago beef. Not very well, but anyway, back to the $30 beer. So I go up to the beer stand, and I get two beers, one for me and one for my wife. And uh, it's the first sunny day we've seen in Arizona. It was beautiful. It was probably 55 degrees, and uh, you could get sunburn. It was so sunny, not a cloud in the sky. And uh, my buddy and his wife got two beers. 30 bucks? 30 bucks, man. You need to do some research. Well, if I had done some research, I would have realized that you buy one giant Mambo can of beer and you get two cups. And you can get about three cups out of a $15 beer. Not bad. So that would have been the way to go, but I didn't plan. So I drank $30 worth of beer, half of which was warm some of which I poured over ice for my wife. It's like putting ketchup on a hot dog. Who puts beer over ice? Anyway, she won't listen to the podcast, so I can say whatever I want. But we had a good time. And uh, I did a little tour. I'd like to go back out there now and see Bobby Denier, maybe get Fergie Jenkins. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm kind of tired of traveling. Went to Dallas, went to San Diego, and went to uh, Scottsdale with a side trip to see my buddies in Wickenburg. Yeah, Wickenburg's a little town about an hour, 20 minutes outside of Scottsdale on their way to Las Vegas. And uh, they've got cowboys, hitching posts, rodeos, and a golf course where my friends live. And so we played a little golf. They're big Royals fans, big Chiefs fans. So 
we caught up a little bit on what was going on. Nothing's going on with the Royals, so we didn't really need to catch up too much. Although he did, he's got a you know this one buddy of mine. He has powerful friends, uh, and his wife's power. She's a power broker, and so she had a picture recently taken of she and her husband, and none other than number five the third baseman for the Kansas City Royals slash first baseman slash designated hitter, George Brett. And one of their power friends knows George, I guess, from his pursuits in Idaho. Not George's, but the friend. And so he got George autographed you know, to my buddies, whose name will remain anonymous. Then he got him an Andy Reid football. Then he's getting them the stud linebackers, uh, on a football for the Chiefs, and who knows what else. I don't know what the deal is. He didn't get me anything. Didn't even buy me a beer. That's okay. I can understand that. So, yeah, my buddy, now my other buddy's trying to maneuver in to meet this guy and get him to get him some memorabilia because Lord knows we don't have enough memorabilia here in our family. So, anyway, Arizona. The places to go in Arizona for food, and I'm big on food, there's a Bar Louie that's in Tempe, and uh, there's baseball in Tempe. It's also the site of Arizona State University. But the Bar Louie in Tempe is not like the Bar Louie's in Chicago area. It's big, and they have happy hour and half-price burgers, so you got to pick up on that. They're pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Then, if you like thin crust pizza, and I'm I'm spelling out your whole um, travel plans for maybe four to five days in Arizona, seeing baseball and eating. Uh, the other place that I'm recommending, and this is one of six, maybe seven, is Craft Sixty Four in Old Town, Old Town, Scottsdale. And there's not much parking. So park in the back with the cooks and act like you're employed and just walk through the back door, sit down. Happy hour is unbelievable. Happy hour is really good for, you know, people my age. We're going to eat anyway by 6 at the latest, so you might as well get half-price pizza, half-price booze. They had Moscow mules, half-price. I mean, it's a good deal. They had prosciutto, whatever that is. But this was on bread. It was good. Big pieces of bread and cheese and maybe tomato and probably, I guess, the name dictates some form of pig. I don't know. I'd rather have my pig in the form of baby back ribs. But be that as it may, Craft uh, 64. Can't go wrong. Now, Oregano's is another good pizza place. They have, I don't know, 10 or 12 Oregano's and um, can't go wrong. But the Craft 64 is kind of fun. It's a little dive. And uh, pizza's thin and uh, good, you know, good. Now, I don't get thin pizza. You know, I'm a deep dish. I'm a thin Chicago pizza guy, deep dish Chicago pizza guy. These craft pizzas, they only put ingredients, including sauce, cheese, and whatever, mushrooms or Italian beef or pepperoni. They only put it on about, 80% of the pizza. And maybe that's the style. Because when you're, no matter what, how you cut it, the back two inches that you hold in your hand, if you're eating it by your hand, it's like cooked dough. There's no sauce, there's no cheese. So what I'm saying to you is get an extra pizza, take the topping off, and get that ready to go on the back side of your pizza. So in other words, you get your 16-incher, you eat it, but while you're eating it, you're prepared to get another 14-inch pizza to take the topping off and put on the backside of the pizza you ordered. And then, you know, like me, you eat the what you took the top off of, and that's pretty good too, but it, it's got a little bit of stuff on it, you know? So Craft 64, they have like 20 craft beers, as the name would indicate, and... Uh, so those three places, Craft 64, Bar Louie, and uh, or the uh, yeah, Oregano's, <clears throat> they are not, I repeat, 
They are not in any way, shape, or form connected to the lighter side of baseball. Heard on Spotify, blah, blah, blah. So, I'm not done. Because there's a famous pizza place, Bianca's. And it's in Phoenix. You know, Phoenix and Scottsdale and Tempe and Mesa and all these places, you can't really tell the difference. So they're all kind of blended into one giant parking and driving city. You don't ever stop. You just keep driving around on 101, 202, 303, and eventually you might come and stop somewhere, play golf, eat. Well, this Bianca's, during the Super Bowl, they did a special, you know, segment. Because this is a famous pizza place that's always on the top 100 list in the country. And they interviewed a Kansas City family. They told them it was a four-hour wait. They go, oh, okay. So they waited. I didn't. Um, So that's Bianca. We went to a really cool, uh, kind of a nice restaurant that you want to go to after a day game, after you take a shower. Um, Some of the people in Paris would call it Henri's. Or for you hockey players, Henri, Henri Richard. Anybody out there? I know some of my listeners do. Henri Richard and his brother, uh, the Pocket Rocket. So Richard was uh, Rocket Richard, and his brother, I'm not sure if his brother, I think his brother might have been Henri. He was the Pocket Rocket. I don't know what that means. Ask a hockey fan. Anyway, Henry's, the Henry. Not plural, the Henry. Nice bar. Interesting people to look at if you're in town and you're looking for uh, good people watching and good food. The Henry. Very good. And then there's a long wait, but it's worth it at the Sicilian Butcher. So I'm giving you some awesome ideas on where to go in uh, Cactus League baseball if you don't want to. I don't know what's out in surprise besides the Royals which are challenging the major leagues for the worst team in baseball. Now, the new rules might might help some of these crappy teams. I don't know how it's going to all unfold, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I just wanted to finish up uh, my little tour of Scottsdale and the immediate area around Mesa, Tempe, and... um, Maybe the Happy Valley or Lonely Valley or The Valley, whatever they call it. I don't know. Not really a Scottsdale guy. So there you have it. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about um, the Super Bowl. The Chiefs. In what was really the friendliest match of two football teams I've ever seen. Nobody really seen Maybe it was because of the brother Kelsey and brother... Uh, other Kelsey, <laughs> Travis and whatever his name is. By the way, if you haven't watched Travis Kelsey on Saturday Night Live, I'm here to tell you, do. He's great. He's better than at least 50% of the hosts. Now, nah, I haven't watched much of it, so I'm just guessing, throwing it out there. Who's going to cross? Nobody's going to fact check me, although a few of my listeners did. Pumpsy Green rings a bell. And I said Pumpsy was a second baseman. He said, no, you're wrong, man. There have been a few other things that we've been wrong with. We try to admit when we're wrong. I get talking fast, and I start throwing stuff out there, and I think I'm right. Occasionally, occasionally I'm not. So, Saturday Night Live, Travis Kelsey, it's worth a watch. He's good. His whole family's on there, mom, dad, and his brother, whatever his name is, his brother was... uh, you know, sort of on the show, too. So that was kind of cool. So there we are. We have uh, a Super Bowl. They didn't sell much beer because the beer I bought for $30 in a can was Super Bowl beer. It had, whatever, LIV11. No, that's not an ad for Live Golf. LIV11, whatever, Super Bowl 57, Chiefs won. I had the leftover can, and, um, you know, they obviously didn't drink a lot. Well, let me put that back. The people probably drank a lot. They just didn't drink stadium beer in 32-ounce cans. I wouldn't. Not on purpose. Bought it, thought I was going to get a cup of beer, and got this Muhammad thing. Anyway, the uh, the other thing is, now, I'm not, I didn't do this, 
But you can buy a ticket to the outfield at Sloan Park and walk around and sit in the first row. <laughs> now, again, I did not do that. But unlike Wrigley and Comiskey and the other, a lot of other major league ballparks, you cannot move from the bleacher seats to the uh, lower bowl. They won't let you do it. And, uh, you know, I guess everybody's just kind of casual in Arizona. and The games don't mean anything. And uh, I noticed because I left the bleacher area. Now, they also added, maybe this isn't added, but it's a new thing. Budweiser viewing seats are sort of above the grass in the outfield. So for 20 bucks, you can buy a seat where you actually sit you get the first row in the Budweiser viewing level at Sloan Park. It's a good deal. Okay. Let's get to the new rules. And we talked about the new rules before in episode one and two. This would be episode three. And like I said, we're going to go to the races now. We're going to have no less than one a week. We're going to try to have some live guests at least once a week, maybe once every two weeks. I, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm going to try to get... I love the guys that come on regularly. Dwayne Stats said he would do this show again. And uh, Craig is a great guy, and he does it whenever he can. And uh, Bobby De Niro will do it. And uh, so will probably John Watham. i got to find a few new faces, because the more attitudes I can put onto the show, the better, better it'll get. And we are growing by leaps and bounds, as you know. So the new rules. Okay. The most impactful new rule is the pitch clock. Now, I can tell you this. I can give you the basics. Because you're going to need to know the basics uh, before you go to a game. And I recommend going to a game. Why? It's going to be an entertainment year for baseball. Okay? It's, they overcooked it. They went to these rules. They didn't really try them out at the major league level. They tried them out at the minor league level. And they simply overcooked it. But I'm not complaining because the games are going to be between two hours and two hours and 30 minutes. It's going to be rare to see a game over 2.30. And here's the practical result for you Wrigley Field goers, for you Cub fans. Um, go to the bathroom before the game starts and don't go very often during the game and buy your beer from the guy in the stands because if you go outside of your seat area and go downstairs, you may miss two to three innings. I'm not kidding. It's going to be that quick. And then you throw in, it's quick now, but you throw in good pitching and good hitting, man, oh, man. So it's like a horse race. It's hilarious. And I, I don't know. If anybody had tried, some of the younger guys have pitched in the minors come up to the majors, and so they were sort of used to them, although the Max Scherzers of the world are trying all these different things to try to beat the clock, intimidate the hitter, speed up the game. Huh, isn't that funny? They're trying to speed up the game, throw the ball. Scherzer got called for a quick pitch, balk, B-A-L-K, not ball, because as soon as the Gets the ball back with a guy on base, 20 seconds, he hurries up and throws. And the batter was not engaged, and it's a balk. The pitcher has to wait for the batter to get engaged, defined as basically in the batter's box, looking at the pitcher ready to hit. Because if you're not looking at the pitcher, you're not ready to hit by definition, right? I mean, you cannot be looking at the catcher for signals because he'll they'll throw a ball at your head even today. So that's out. Of course, there are no signals, so that's out again. Now, maybe you know on the little panel, when the catcher's hand's far right, that's a fastball away. I don't know. But let me tell you, when there's nobody on, 15 seconds, and it starts when the pitcher gets a ball in the web of his glove, and he can step off, I believe, once. But here's the peril. If you step off too late, and I don't know what too late is, now, let me just tell you that on the pitch clock that you'll see when you go to the games, and I want all you guys to go to the games because it's going to be an exciting year in baseball. It's going to be two hours and 30 minutes of entertainment, and you can go to a 7 o'clock game 
and get out of Wrigley by 9.30 and be home by 10. That's pretty cool. Or Comiskey slash the cell slash guaranteed rate. All those are cool things. All those are good things. All those are things like we, uh, we like. So, um, cut off track as my production team is showing me that, um, you know, we've been going a while. We should take a break. But we're not going to take a break. Not yet. So anyway, back to the rules. They have a little clock in a couple different areas. One on each side of home plate, which I guess the second baseman, second base umpire sees. There's one in the outfield. I don't know who's in charge of it. The second base umpire was in the minor leagues, but I, the home plate umpire. And I don't know how the umpire, they turn off the, the sign when the pitcher goes into his motion. So right around seven seconds, six seconds, five seconds, the light goes blank. And occasionally, the pitcher doesn't get the ball off on time, I guess. I'm not sure what that means. And the umpire, you know, flashes his hands around and the pitch is a ball. Now, in the game we were at, there were two out, and the Guardians hitter hit a pop-up to the shortstop who caught the ball for the third out. But we took a few slugs of beer, and he was still up. And then he grounded out. So they got four outs with three batters. And I guess the umpire at home stopped because the pitcher violated the time clock, supposedly. And that's what happened. Now, if he did a home run, it wouldn't have counted. How about the bottom of the ninth, seventh game of the World Series, 10 seconds left on the pitch clock, five seconds left on the pitch clock, three seconds left. The catcher tries to call timeout. The umpire doesn't let him. The pitcher throws the ball. The guy hits it out of the park to win, like just like Bill Mazeroski. And the umpire goes, Ep, sorry, doesn't count. Holy crap. There could be some interesting situations develop as we go through this because I got to tell you, I've sort of studied it a little bit. I don't understand it. All I know is it's 15, the guy on base 20, guy hits a ground ball, first baseman makes the out. You got 30 seconds for the next batter to get in and get out and out. Now, that's the pitch clock. And, and I dare say that's the most important of the new rules because it affects every pitch. Okay, now what you won't see this year, and I think this is funny, and I keep going back to it, is the the letters FTX on the umpires' jerseys. Those letters were the letters of the Ponzi scheme, which led to the demise of the company that was doing all sorts of tricky illegal deals with. Crypto, okay? So Major League Baseball probably got 10 or 15 or 20 million from this crook. And nobody ever said anything about Major League Baseball. They talked about Mr. Wonderful on the Shark Tank. And they talked about um, Mr. Quarterback down in Tampa Bay getting putting money into it. They, they ripped all the public figures, but somehow Major League Baseball got, got through it but they don't have FTX on there. They don't have anything on there. Why did they ever let them do that? Because they're greedy. Not the umps. The umps don't get that money. There are no, there's no umpire group. The umpires are part of MLB. Now, way back when, there was American League umpires and National League umpires. There was a union for the umpires. There was a president of the umpires union. And they were separate and apart from, and they negotiated with Major League Baseball. Now, there's no National League and American League. They're all in there together, and they're all employed by Major League Baseball, and they all have a sliding scale of depending on how long you've been an umpire and how much you get. And will they take a pay cut next year if the robo-ump comes into play? I don't know, but the robo-ump is being used in Minor League Baseball this year. And I don't like it, 
but I do like the pitch clock because it moves the game. Man, I'm telling you what, the batter doesn't step out. He's not adjusting his gloves. He's not putting pine tar on his bat. He's not getting dirt on his gloves. He gets Some of them get out of the box. The younger guys stay in. And the pitcher gets the ball 15 seconds, gets a sign, and within 10 seconds or 8 seconds or 5 seconds, he's throwing the ball. So let's just take this. 15 seconds, third pitch. That's 45 seconds. Guy hits a ground ball short out over first. Boom, one out. We use it up 45 seconds. Then you get 30 seconds for the next batter to get up. Okay, that's a minute and 15. Guy hits the second pitch after 30 seconds. Now we're at a minute and 45. And the third batter gets up after 30 seconds. That Now we're at 2 minutes and 15 seconds. And he... Lines out to third base on the first pitch. They just had an inning faster than the commercial break of 2 minutes and 15 seconds. How about that? I'm telling you what. You, the, these, there was a game where the team scored 20 runs, and spring training's traditionally slower. These games are, none of them are three hours. It's great. It's absolutely great. Okay. Other rules. First base, I mean, each base is two inches bigger around, I guess. Now, I don't know if that's two inches on each, each side. I have a funny feeling it's symmetrical. And everybody's afraid, oh, my God, this is going to ruin the game that was, you know, invented uh, and, and we've been playing forever. You know, the ground ball to shortstop where there was a bang-bang play at first. It'll be a bang-boom play. The guy will be safe. Hadn't happened. Hadn't happened. What has happened is... With the pitcher, can only throw over to second, over to a base twice, and the third time he either picks him off or the guy gets that next base. That has led to a need for a catcher with a good arm because man, oh man, it's open season on stealing bases. Unless the teams take the position like they did against John Lester, let's not embarrass everybody because there, it's going to take a. Because you can't hold the guy on that well. You're going to have to slide step, and uh, the catcher's got to have a gun. Now, the Cubs had a catcher with a gun. They let him go away for nothing. Nothing. Zero. Willie Contreras, boom, see you later, buddy. He was a top ten catcher in baseball, and they gave him to their arch rival for nothing. Got nothing. Zero. Bye, Willie. Thanks for the memories. You're the greatest. I know you wanted to play here, but now you can be the next Yadi Armelina. And, and he will be. That's great. And he doesn't, uh, uh, there's no sense in what Jed Hoyer did there. You, you know, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Now, if they get Johnny Bench through their system, maybe that's a different deal, but they won't. Okay. So we've covered the pitch clock a little bit. I've tried. I haven't mastered the rules, but I've tried. Um, we talked about the bases. We talked a little bit about the pickoff rule. Now, the other rule that is impactful, but it didn't impact the game I saw, um, is the shift rule. You have to have two guys on the dirt, or if you're in Toronto on the grass inside the line, the white line that shows where dirt would be if they had dirt, but they don't. It's kind of like Tiger Woods' new putt-putt course down near Sarasota. Um, it's all fancy. They got sand traps and everything else, but the sand is just painted astroturf. It's not real sand. But it's cool. 18 holes times two, 36. Go play putt-putt golf. Sarasota. Get to Marina Jack's. Best restaurant on the coast of Florida. And uh, they're not a sponsor. Okay. So um, the shift is over for now. Um, the players try to shade, but that's okay. They can shade. There's only one ball put into play that was a hit that I think would have been the old out by the third baseman playing right field throwing first base. Okay? Those days are gone. So running is going to be rewarded. You want fast guys, and you want a catcher with a good arm. And um, I think you're going to see a little bit more offense, but the game is the game. You know, it's still the same game. Don't get sweat any of it. It's just going to get back to quick. And 
It'll be fun to see you Darvish pitch. I'd like to see that. I don't know if he's in the World Baseball Classic, which starts this week. We'll cover that next time, next show. I think the World Baseball Classic will be fun. There are four pools. Two of the pools are in the United States, one in Arizona, I believe, or San Diego, and one in Florida. And then the pool winners go to Florida, I think, and then the finals are in Florida. Uh, very cool. And uh, a lot of players are in. Now, who's not in? Kershaw. Apparently, they couldn't get insurance for his injuries. And so he was uninsurable. And uh, so Kershaw is left off the roster for the U.S. team. Another guy on the Japanese team who happens to play right field for the uh, Cubs, Seiya Suzuki, uh, hurt his... Um, Oh, whatever they call it. I don't know. It's not his shoulder, but it's right in there. And he's he's out for a while, maybe forever. I don't know. They said he really bulked up. That's a bad sign. Usually guys have great years when they take weight off. When they put weight on, bad sign. They say he worked out. He tried to put the weight on. I say he ate a lot of sushi. Now, you say sushi's not advertising that. So is that bad thing to say for a Japanese player? Probably. I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean it in a bad way. But he probably ate beef to gain that much extra weight. But um, now he's got a, uh, a problem with an injury that may take a couple months. Who knows? We don't know. Um, so the World Baseball Classic, the new rules, and the umpires are going to call more box when the pitcher doesn't pause in his delivery, which is kind of interesting. So you've got, and apparently this wiggle-waggle, you know, move for 10 seconds before you pitch is going to be out because you don't have that long to pitch. And the days of asking the for with two seconds left in the pitch clock for a timeout haven't been flying in um, the early days of spring training. So I... A lot of people are moaning and groaning. I, whatever it takes to speed up the game, that's it. Get a quick result, get the game over, and get to the bars outside of Wrigley Field. That's the name of the game. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we will uh, have a new segment uh, to show off my new app on baseball card collecting. Okay, we're back on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and uh, SoundCloud, and anywhere else that you might happen to get it because... We are reaching out. We are expanding. Our goal is to get 10,000 listeners. Send this podcast to everybody and anybody because at the most, it'll entertain you. And at the least, it'll put you to sleep at night. So one of those two and in between. We are informative about baseball. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the impact injuries and situations around baseball early on. But it's too early to come up with our preseason pick. Our preseason pick, we'll save that for the day before opening day. Hopefully we'll have Craig Kashan on for a little bit. And uh, that'll be good. But I promised you a new segment. And um, so what I'm going to do is open a pack of old baseball cards. And then I'm going to use my new app. And on my new app, it tells you the value of the baseball card, supposedly. And, uh, you know, let's just see how it goes. This is an old Dunruss. And it does, it's so old, it doesn't even have the date on here. But I'm going to open this pack up, and I'm going to see if there is any um, value in any of these cards as set out by my little new app. So this is 1988 Dunruss. Not a great year, but the, the pack has a little puzzle, so that's cool. I'll save the puzzle till I open a few more. And then it has Diamond Kings. And this happens to be a Diamond King card from Scott Fletcher. Okay? Now, there are probably, I don't know, 50 to 100 Major League Baseball players that I've met in my day through either the connections I've had with the Kansas City Royals and the Omaha Royals or with the White Sox and specifically Dave Nelson. 
Now, some of you may not know, Nellie was one of my all-time, like a brother. And you know, you say that, but he really was. And I miss him. We talked baseball all the time, and I don't have anybody to talk baseball to. I don't have any friends. So I had this podcast because it took the place of friends. Now, with Nelly, he talked back to me, and none of you talked back to me, although it would be nice if you could call in. But we don't have that feature yet here on the lighter side of baseball. We might get it. be great. But early on, Nelly, uh, you know, I was a, a young lawyer, had a job with a firm when I got out of the Marine Corps, and Nellie thought that I was Perry Mason and um, Donald Fear and everybody else rolled into one, Scott Boris. He thought I was the beginning and the end of, uh, of these things. So anyway, Nellie tried to get Amos Otis to let me represent him. And so we met with Odie. And um, Amos, you know, they're, most of the agents are okay. Um, they're, now, just in my brief time representing guys, I've, there, I've came across a couple bad, bad apples. And so Amos, who liked to do things that, you know, and in that day and age, we're talking about the, the late 70s, early 80s, he smoked a little bit, drank a little bit. That that was it. Nothing else. Good guy. Always in shape. I don't know how, but he always was. And he trusted his money and his career to a banker in Kansas City, whose name I won't mention. I believe he went to jail because Amos was left with, he took all his money. He had zip. And if Amos had just gone with me, and if I just did a mediocre job, A.O. would have a lot more money than he has now. I mean, whatever I could have gotten for him and kept for him and invested, you know, that's the trick. So many of these guys back then, uh, when we had Pro Sports Inc., which great name, huh? I think somebody else tried to steal our name. Pro Sports Inc., man, we were, a, we were just a humming little sports representation firm with a stable of Dave Nelson. <laughs> that was my thoroughbred. And Nelly uh, went out and recruited, tried to recruit, and did, in fact, recruit a lot of guys. And I don't know if the White Sox liked their first base coach signing up guys with his good buddy to be their agent. But, I mean, it was harmless. And Reinsdorf liked me. I was a decent guy. Um, and I did a good job for these guys. So, AO said no, and AO, bad result. Now, flip that over. Another guy who I can't say enough nice things about for a lot of different reasons. Great player. You know, not a utility guy. He played a lot of baseball in his career. Um, a guy named Scott Fletcher. And I got to meet Scott, his wife, Angie. And I got to know him. And... Um, he, you know, his career, high batting average with the White Sox was 256 in 1985. With the Rangers, he had 386, 287 in 1987. And um, he, he just hit doubles and on-base hits. And Scott was really, really good. The other thing about Scott was he would not, uh, he had the Gil Hooley brothers who were out of St. Louis. And Credit to uh, Scott Fletcher, he would not dump those guys. And, you know, he was more honorable than all my guys because they all dumped me, um, except for Al Jones. And I've talked about Al Jones. I just saw Al Jones' AAA card. I was looking through some of my old cards with the Denver Zephyrs before they moved to New Orleans to become the New Orleans Zephyrs. Anyway... Uh, Al was a great guy, great client, hurt his arm at Fenway Park. And uh, the, the last game he pitched, he went in and struck out the bases loaded against none other than uh, Jim Rice, Tony Armas, and uh, Darrell Evans. Uh, preserved the tie, and the White Sox came back in the top of the 10, scored a run, somebody else got the save, and Big Al got a win. And uh, that was the last game he threw, and he was he was virtually, besides Nelly, my only loyal client. But kudos to... Scott 
Fletcher because the dude was good. He was nice. And we had lunch um, near where I live now, on near Division Street. And Division, everything's changed so much. Um, there was a restaurant on top of another restaurant, and you could eat outdoors on the roof uh, at Division and Dearborn. And I can't remember for the life of me what that was, but uh, Nellie and I had lunch with uh, Scott Fletcher and uh, the new lawyer, probably making 20000 a year, paid for the frigging lunch. Can you believe that? Come on, Scotty. Now players in that era were probably only making a million a year. So anyway, um, we're going to put you on hold. We had a caller, and I have to check in with a caller and a call from Craig Kashan. So just hold on, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, we're back from break. And so that was uh, Scotty Fletcher. And the thing with these Diamond Kings, you can't really value it. And I'm guessing it's worthless. So uh, my first card that I opened in my 1988 Dunruss, I would have to say uh, worthless. Okay? So let's, uh, let's see what comes up our way in the first card that I'm looking at. Uh, MVP Eric Davis. Now, Eric Davis was a hell of a player for the Cincinnati Reds, I believe. I know he got sick, got ill, and had to stop playing baseball at some point. But I'm going to see how uh, how valuable this 1988 Eric Davis card is. And I'll show you with this app. I'm taking a picture of the front and of the back, trying to get it all in. And uh, the result is... Oop, I need to do the front and the back. You have to do either the front and the back. This was 10 cents. All right, so we're going to cast that card over here with Scott Fletcher, and now I have two worthless cards. The next one is from a guy I've never heard of. Jose Nunez played for the Toronto Blue Jays, and his career ERA was over five. So I'm telling you, this card ain't worth the paper it's paid. It's on, but let's see what we can come up with. This is such a cool app, and I have I have tested it on quite a few. And let's see, it's not really okay. Let's go back. Come on. I mean, this is live TV. And so, you know, my production staff is going, get to the point, dude. Uh, let's be a little quicker with this. So we go here, we go there, when we get this guy named Jose Nunez. And then we do the back of his card. Is this riveting or what? And this card is worth, it takes a little bit when they've never heard of this guy. Sometimes it takes a while for the uh, for the money to come up. This guy is so well known that it's worth nothing. Nothing. Couldn't even get a penny for that card. Uh, this next guy is Tom Nieto. I'm guessing Tom's not worth much. Uh, Mickey Brantley of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm guessing he's not worth that much, so we're not going to mess with him. Okay, the next guy is Jack McDowell, rated rookie. This guy will be at the uh, Sports Spectacular card show on, uh, I believe, either St. Patrick's Day or the day after the day after that, along with Tommy John. Huh? How about that? So we're going to take these. We're going to screen the front of uh, Black Jack McDowell, as he was known. This guy was a good pitcher for the White Sox. I mean, he was crazy, but he was really good. And uh, let's see if this has any value. Here we go with Black Jack McDowell. And um, no. Wow. Unrecognized. Sorry, Jack. I'm going to try one more time because this is a little embarrassing on live radio that we're not getting this done. I'm going to go to the front only. See if it spits out a number. Come on. This is a well-known set. Nope. All right. Sorry, Blackjack. Now, we're going to go to... Ah, oh, here's a good one. 
Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor in the Hall of Fame. Shirley. Whoever Shirley is. So this is going over pretty well. Will there be any money on Paul Molitor? Are we doing this a little wrong? I mean, is this riveting or what? No. So what I'm going to do is put my production team on hold, and I'll be right back. Okay, so we, we were fortunate. This is not the way I had envisioned it, but there are two apps that I've been using. One is Ludex, and the Ludex had Paul Molitor at 80 cents. And then in that same pack, ladies and gentlemen, I got Cal Ripken, shortstop, Baltimore Orioles, number eight, 12 bucks. How about that? So we'll try one more. We're going to go back to Blackjack McDowell, since he's going to be at the card show. And, you know, when this happens, sometimes they get, like, Mickey Mantle or whatever. So here's Blackjack McDowell on Ludex. We'll see if this goes. Blackjack is worth a buck eighty. Okay. So out of this pack, just looking at the star guys, you know, we got about 15 bucks out of this pack. Now, would anybody pay that for these guys? Probably not. 1988 Dunruss. There it is. That is the experiment, and it has uh, concluded, which I got to say, I don't know. Um, those apps are pretty good, actually. I've used uh, both of them, and uh, I've tested it. I've used crummy cards. I've used uh, a 1953 Yogi Berra that's in horrible shape. That was 800 bucks, which is probably about right. A good one would be about 10000 So. Um, you know, again, I'm having fun as a, trying to organize my cars and my bats and my balls and my wine and uh, get ready for um, just another exciting uh, episode tomorrow. Craig called in. He's ready to go tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. We'll do episode number four, and we'll talk a little bit about the brewers and just visit with Craig, get up to speed, because we still have three and a half weeks before baseball starts. So... Let's look at just briefly, no, pre, no picks, no preseason picks. Let's look at the central divisions of both leagues. I'm still pretty familiar with both of those leagues. Now, the White Sox lost their closer to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He'll be back. Liam Hendricks will be back. He's tough, but he won't be back soon. White Sox have a new manager. Tony LaRusso, I don't know what happened to him. Has anybody, <laughs> nobody's heard, this guy's neither his name nor what he's doing has been in any Chicago newspaper since uh, he left two or three weeks before the season ended, and he should have left a long time ago. They hired, the White Sox hired the Royals bench coach. He's a Latin American fella who will be really, really good with the team, and I think they're going to win the division, Okay. I think they're better than Cleveland. I think they're better than Minnesota. And then Detroit is still trying to figure out what it's doing, and the Royals know they're doing nothing. So that was quick. Now, on that note, there is no um, unbalanced schedule anymore. You will not have the Milwaukee Brewers playing the Chicago Cubs 18 times. It'll either be 12 or 13, depending on how it rolls. And then everybody plays everybody at least two games. And the Cubs play two games in London. I don't know why. But anyway, so that's that. In the West, in the Central Division of the National League, you have the uh, um, teams that I think will not be anywhere near the uh, uh, championship, and that's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So that leaves the same three teams battling it out, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals. Cardinals are the odds-on favorite. The Brewers have a great bullpen and a great starting rotation. 
um, how Corbin Burns will fare after the Brewers ripped him up in mediation. They were like $500,000 apart. We're not talking about I want $50 million and you offered me $10 million. They were like $500,000 apart, and they ripped him. They ripped him. Now, that's stupid. Give him his money. They ripped him. I mean, that's dumb. You got a new general manager, and she's whatever. I don't know. Makes no sense to me. I think the Cubs are going to win the division. I said it. I predict it. You heard it here. They have added um, Talon, the pitcher from the Yankees, Boxberger, the pitcher from the Brewers. Um, they got Stroman coming back. Hendricks will be back soon, although he's got an injury. And uh, Steele is good. And I think they're going to rock and roll. I think Rossi is going to imitate Craig Council and make a lot of pitching changes. Uh, but but while I yawn, I don't have a little thing to stop it. I'm too. Anyway, um, I, I do think that the Cubs are going to win that division, much to everybody's surprise. Cardinals have a good team. Brewers have a good team. Reds and the Pirates don't. So there you are. Um, I'm looking forward to the Cardinals series. I'm looking forward to the Dodgers series at Wrigley. Looking forward to the Rays. My good friend Dwayne Stats will be here in town. And um, everybody comes to town, or if they don't, uh, we go there. So they're good road trips. Yeah, they get out and get to a few more ballparks, Comerica Park, um, Target Stadium. Uh, that's going to be fun. The air shows in Chicago when the Royals come to town. That's going to be a weekend to remember with all my buddies coming in, all my grandkids going. We're going to have a rocking good time watching that series and the air show. And I think the Cubs are going to do all right. I think it's going to be interesting to see what team takes advantage of the new rules more than others. And I think uh, it could be the Cubs. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that is it. I'm signing off till tomorrow when we are back for the next episode with Craig Kishan. I'm looking forward to that. So in the meantime, everybody go out and enjoy this great day. If you're in Chicago, the weather is awesome. If you're not in Chicago, then it's probably awesome too. Be good, hit them straight, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. So for the lighter side of the baseball, Jamie Resky signing off. Until tomorrow. <laughs>